When you were teaching science, did you sort of close your eyes and pretend you were Ian Chesterton? On the grounds that kind of I can't bring myself to destroy cardigans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't <laughs> mind you on the grounds that if anyone near me is wearing a cardigan, I kind of get a bit angsty. It's like, cardigan? <laughs> um, <laughs> That's fair enough. It's some kind yeah. of deep, deep science teacher race memory. So um, the book we're talking about, if I've done my sums right, it was yeah. published in March of 2001. Yeah, I've got, I've got various timelines because I, I was fascinated by this because I, when, I, when, we, when we picked Earthworld, I kind of realised actually, yeah, it's an era of Doctor Who that is really devoid of reference material about it, coverage about it. And in the end, I actually had to go back through DWMs to kind of start building up a, a picture of what was going on. So to get to, to set some background, because I, mean, I think it's actually quite a, an important um, thing. I mean, so, in, you know, 1996, we had the TV movie. So we are five years on from the TV movie. And, and it's starting to feel like it's, the show isn't going to materialise. Well, I've got some documentary evidence to back this up. I, again, I mean, this just, this because of the science teacher, because I'm a maths geek, maths, you know, numbers, um, you know, I find them deeply interesting and to help me kind of visualise things. So looking at the season surveys to start off with, in 1997, which was when we had the season survey for the TV movie. They had 2,800 replies, apparently. 1998, at most, because they didn't give a total, at most they had 2,100, but a lot of them had large numbers of blanks in. Um, so some sections, over 500 people left blank. You then kind of get uh, to the next survey, and in their blurb at the start, they say hundreds and hundreds of you. And it's just like, what? So we've gone 2,800 about the TV movie, down to 2,100, and then, um, you know, hundreds and hundreds. This is the, this is the, see, this is the season survey which had um, the burning in. And then for the next one, the one that had Earthworld in, they simply said we had an incredible response. I mean, do you think that's double digits or? Uh... <laughs> well, the, the 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 really shocking thing is when you get to the next one they're back to boasting about thousands and in 2003 they had more than ever before i mean earth so, 2009 that basically fandom had lost hope in the books and i was thinking what well, and then of course i realized why because in march 2001 paul mcgann was fighting the cybermen oh of yeah and this is so the timeline this is really depressing so in january uh 2000 yeah um dwm announces that there's going to be a new companion okay they don't say it's a male or a female or anything like that in issue 288 um which is march ish 2000 so a year before the book comes out the companion is confirmed as are you ready for this it's angie jeffries okay yeah <laughs> i'm cool. thinking that character still had a little bit of work done to it after that announcement. <laughs> you don't say yeah um and then i mean it is oh i mean fans bank accounts take the next few months really badly because in issue 290 you've got the announcement that there are going to be benny books and benny audios resuming in issue 292 they announce the that mcgann is coming back so basically kind of suddenly big finish are ah, the official continuation and in tiny little box in issue 293 earthworld is announced and it's just like oh god 
That's really interesting. So, I mean, I hadn't I hadn't thought to contextualize the books against the trajectory yeah. of of Big Finish. You know, it was it was just there was a show, there was a TV movie, there was another wilderness period, and then there was the revival. But yeah, clearly, given the choice, people wholesale opted for actual Paul McGann and, on and audio. Um, the BBC are losing faith in the books. In issue 295, it's revealed that they're not going to do any more short trips novels or no, uh, collections. Yeah. Issue 298, Death Comes to Time is announced. Oh. Yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> and I say, kind of, it, it's just, it's really bad. I mean, I was flicking through them. And in issue 303, that's when we get the review of Earthworld. But you get a full page cartoon kind of preview for store for um sort of orion yeah the the reviews page has its kind of like cartoon bit at the start but rags gets that one i mean you know the books and especially the edas are really unloved and just to finish off the the kind of the background bit to back me up on this it's again something that kind of i hadn't twigged so in, in 1997 when they had that 2800 replies 42.5% of the respondents said that they don't read or had stopped reading The Virgin New Adventures. Wow. But only 33% had stopped reading The Missing Adventures because the PDAs, you can pick up, you can read, they're not a long-term commitment. And yeah. And, <laughs> and they can feature your favourite Doctor, which might not be the dark and manipulative Times Champion iteration. Yeah. Seventh Doctor. In, in, but in, I, in, in 1998, they actually said how many people voted for kind of, you know, each book. It's just like, yeah, it's very obvious that people are picking the PDAs based on the past Doctors and the monster that's featured on the cover. It's heartbreaking to think that kind of, you know, the books, I mean, you know, which have been going, you know, which, you know, several, literally several million words of history are now on a life support. I mean, 18 months after Earthworld, they are really on life support because they go every other month again. They're back to what started. I, yeah, I was I was going to say that that obviously that was coming down the line and, and the fact that it, it hadn't already happened is perhaps, um, you know, we were, well, you know, you, you can argue either way, but you could argue we were really lucky to get another 18 months of monthly Doctor yeah. Who books before it, before it went by monthly. You look at the uh, you look at the votes that you know the the score out of ten that the books started to get in the Doctor Who season surveys each year, and you can see why. <laughs> do you have any any stats there? Any particular examples of that? Oh, of course I do. This is me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I won't give you the Earthworld score just yet because that's okay. That's good. That keep me on keep me on yeah. to hooks. Um, but I mean. The EDAs have bombed. I mean, the EDAs do contain officially the lowest scoring Doctor Who books of all time. Interference got 43, 4.3 out of 10 as its average score. I mean, that that's worse than the man, than the menagerie. That's worse than the pit. Wow. I mean, with <laughs> Interference, you can make the case that it's a very divisive book and some... Yeah. Some died in the wolf fans. Ten out of ten. How many gave it one out of ten? Yeah, exactly. A lot um, of people would have loved it. A lot of people would have yeah. hated it. But as I say, kind of, yeah. In the in the year before, the books have gone. Kind of, they've they've dropped a lot. I mean, uh, Parallel Fifty Nine is five point six. The Space Age is five point five. You got the Ancestor Cell, and say again, this is actually quite important for for something that I've I've, I've picked up on with Earthlot. So the Ancestor Cell. 6.5 it has really you know what they're doing has really not worked there were bits in the the national media about scrapping the tardis and the doctor riding around inside a woman the but um the burning comes along and casualties of war both of those get 8.2 mm-hmm. you've got 7.6 7.4 for cheering and end game Father Time gets 8.1, and then the end of the arc, that wonderful, big, oh, shit, 5.9 for Escape Velocity. I mean, so the the argument I would make is that mm-hmm. what what your numbers are demonstrating is that Doctor Who fans don't like change. They don't like 
innovative story arcs. They want familiar bog standard Doctor Who. Um, um, and what the EDAs were doing at this time was was trying to breathe new life into that format, yeah. and they weren't having it. I People mean, were even, not interested. Even books like Year of Intelligent Tigers, which it's 6.8, Grim Reality 6.4, Adventures of Henrietta Street only got 6.9. And there's, you know, from then on, there's a lot more which are getting five point something as well. There's only a few which even get to a camera obscura. Yay! The Dead Stone Memorial. They're the only ones that just scrape an eight. Wow. And so it, kind of, it is, you know, it is very much that the books have got it cataclysmically wrong. And when I was, when we agreed, I thought, I was thinking, yeah, this is great because this was a big jumping on point. You know, I mean, this is. You know, you've had the, the the court on Earth arc, which I have all kinds of issues with. Um, yeah. And then it's like, OK, Earthworld, it's a big jumping on point to the extent that when they did the 50th anniversary reprints, one of each doctor in 2013, Earthworld was chosen as the reprint. A staggering choice. <laughs> um, You say that, but you look back over all of the eighth doctor stories and you think, well, actually... Pretty much up to Earthworld, up to the Burning Lady, it's just one story. You can't really pick, you know, a book from it. Sure. <laughs> well, not one that's any good anyway. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, say, kind of, you, know, you look at all of the possibilities, and let's look at something like the Eight Doctors, which would have been a bit of a cheat. I suppose they could have done Vampire Science. They could that's very a, easily have done that, yeah. Yeah. Even <coughs> bodies. <clears throat> well, Alien Bodies doesn't even reach eight on the viewer score. I'm starting to feel that the the people voting in these polls are just plain wrong. <laughs> it's just there are there are times I really agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say it's it's difficult. It's not. I mean, Alien Bodies is you know it's for me the big turning point. It is Lawrence Miles getting his talons into the range. And then, yes, the, the ramifications of, a, of Lawrence Miles. He is undoubtedly a very talented writer. You know, don't get me wrong. I think Lawrence Miles is a very talented writer if he's writing his own stuff. Lawrence Miles being asked to write to within someone else's rules is a cataclysmic mistake. And as I, say, I think kind of you know, by the time we get to interference, which is... His attempt to reinvigorate the mysteries of Doctor Who, because apparently we know too much about him and therefore we need to kind of completely, um, yeah. And Lawrence Miles hated the PDAs as well. He hated the, the missing adventures, which is why he then did what he did with the third Doctor. But the problem is, I mean, that does set everything on its trajectory. The burning is great. You know, Doctor, no memories, no TARDIS, just on Earth. No companions. The burning probably would have been a bet would have been a, a, another possible one for the range. But then yes, we have Earthworld. We have Angie, who is now Angie Kapoor, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, according to the back cover blurb, we have the Doctor brackets Strange Man number one, <laughs> and we have Fitz, who is Strange Man number two. It's really selling the range, isn't it? Yeah. Um. Actually, I've got to say, the the back cover blurb does sell it. It's yeah, you know, Doctor Strange Man number one is supposed to be returning her to Soho 2001 AD. This is 22 years in our past now. Kill me. Yeah. I wasn't going to dwell on that. <laughs> no, I was going to pretend it was about 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so quite there are dinosaurs outside. Angie isn't sure. Sad 60s refugee fits Strange Man number two seems to think they're either in prehistoric times or on a parallel Earth. And the Doctor is probably only pretending to know what's going on, because if he really knew, surely he would have mentioned the homicidal triplet princesses, the teen terrorists, the deadly android doubles and triplets, and the hosts of mad robots. Angie's never going to complain about Monday mornings in the office again. I mean... Yeah, it's very much Doctor Who for the Bridget Jones generation, isn't it? The DWM review said it's the first Doctor Who chick flick, chicklet, sorry, chicklet. That's that's a a good observation. 
Uh, yeah. Not, you know, I'm I'm trying to keep my powder dry on this book until we really get into it. But, you know, yeah. I think I think there's a lot to be said for that description. Yeah. And I think actually it's what the range needed. Um, it is a massive reboot and reading it. I thought, yeah, this is actually for about the first two thirds to four fifths of it. I thought this is actually really good, straightforward what people think of as doctor who and yeah those that first two thirds four fifths whatever you can actually really see why they chose to reprint it because it's i mean you look at what happens in the first chapter alone dinosaurs prehistoric men invisible barriers kidnapped put on trial and convicted and about to be executed separated with companions and say that's all in chapter one i mean this is doctor who on speed this isn't your kind of your long laborious build up this is out of the tardis running for your life oh hell it's all gone wrong the only thing that we were robbed of was angie tripping over a rock and twisting her ankle (laughs) (laughs) although to be honest that's probably more fits his role these days you know yeah he's kind of taken over the, the the hapless bumbling kind of companion role yeah um oh. and fits is my major problem with the book um interesting let's let's probe into that why 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 is fits your major problem with the book i mean i think i can i can guess where you're going with this because it suddenly takes away the fresh start it takes away the reboot and i'm going to be very honest my memory of what the fine details were in the edas i can remember the first batch really well up until about van der decken's children mm-hmm. um i remember the early days of fits i remember i actually remember being very impressed by kind of um the face eater demontage i even quite like revolution man and then we get into things like unnatural history or to mist interference and my brain is this blur of kind of like hold on what actually happened and towards the end of Earthworld, you're suddenly taken out of this fresh start when Fitz starts having his identity crisis. And it's just like, oh, couldn't you save that for the second book? Couldn't so, you? yeah, so let's just flesh that out for people like us who may not remember entirely. So <laughs> Fitz in Interference uh, it basically grows old, gets evil, dies. And at some point there's a replacement. There's a clone of him or... And so the problem is, I tr- I was trying to piece this together from reading Earthworld. Mm. And whereas some bits of the whole what's gone before are teased in a really reader-friendly way. The Doctor's lost his memories. I say, Doc, he always loses his bloody memories. Yeah, every third and book. Loses them in minuet in hell, for sake. <laughs> 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 So, so you know, that's fine because say it's the Doctor, he's this mysterious person. We're seeing a lot of the Doctor through Angie's eyes, so therefore she won't know what's going on, you know. But then, yeah, from what I can remember, as you say, kind of, it actually, I think, doesn't it go back to Revolution Man or something? Isn't there a bit before Interference where Fitz leaves the TARDIS lineup within a book? goes away for a few years to meditate and comes back or something. yeah I, I i believe the events of revolution man cover a number of years and and so yes that that makes sense mm. and i say but don't you find it interesting that kind of both of us are kind of looking up into the sky going ah oh, was that what actually happened here it is it's it's um yeah, you know, as as you've demonstrated, here we are slap bang in the, the middle of the run of these books. No one seems to be reading them. Those people who are don't seem to be enjoying them. There are so many story arcs. Um, the Doctor's lost his memory about six times. Uh, he's lost the TARDIS. He's found the TARDIS. There was, yeah. It's it's just throwing stuff at a wall to see what sticks yeah. at this point, isn't it? Right. So, I, I mean, I haven't, I'm doing this live now, this, by the way. So, because, um, yeah, I, I have one of those um, PDFs that are knocking around. But viewers, please take, please take. You know, I have both copies of 
Earthworld. Physically. I can confirm. James is yeah. holding up two copies I, of Earthworld. I'm actually, you know, being totally immoral kind of thing. So, um, apart from the fact, sorry, Earthworld is signed by Jacqueline Rayner. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> um, so it goes you, the title page, the acknowledgements, chapter one, the fluffy frog in the sky. So the first release of it doesn't have one of those really lovely previously on Doctor Who type <laughs> things. Because, dear Lord, I would have... Oh, I needed that. I really needed that for the fits bit. Um, so the reprint. Now, reprint came out 2013. There is a one, two, three, four-page introduction by Jack Rayner. But it's not a kind of a previously on Doctor Who. It's just a kind of a... Here's a bit about how I wrote the book sort of thing. And then it goes into the fluffy frog in the sky, mm. which, by the way, is just a fantastic first chapter title. <laughs> and to me, if I had picked up Earthworld, never having read an EDA because it was the one, you know, I'd have loved the first two thirds of it. And then we got to the bit with Fitz having the identity crisis. I'd be going, what the hell? <laughs> You're because right. It, it's absolutely not a jumping on point, is it? It's, it's uh, suddenly harking back to... Pre- many previous books and certainly by the time they're reprinting this as a representative of the range you're asking people to find books that have been out of print for a decade um basically yeah. you need to have read and understood and uh, don't get me started on the understood bit the ancestor cell yeah and yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah this is this is a good podcast because it, it it enables the casual listener to the podcast to work out what people are going to be saying about other books that are coming down the line mm. um so i don't even need to record some of these episodes There's, you know but yeah oh god the ancestor cell um i remember being on it must be records doctor who when the ancestor cell came out and there actually being arguments about what the hell had happened which i'm ashamed to say that i did take part in at some point oh, I, oh hello oh hello mm. <laughs> I, um, I i was i struggled because say kind of there was a big confusion over well okay has gallifrey been destroyed has it been wiped out of time what's happened to it because of course you know the, 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 the two things that happen in the 90s are that basically the Eighth Doctor loses his memory every other week and Gallifrey gets destroyed every other week. And the really bad thing is these plot lines are never resolved. No, no, they're not. <clears throat> because that went a bit high pitched there. No, no, they're not. Um, because as I say, kind of, I, again, I did some throw forward reading to try and think, well, OK, if I'm bitching about Earthworld and in particular fits and everything like that, I wanted to be able to say, but yes, if you read such and such, everything becomes clear. And what became clear was the RTD messed things up. <laughs> there, was, there were two catastrophic failures from what I gather. Okay, this is for, gathered from years of gossip, things like the Fitzroy Tavern, hearing snatches and stuff. Um, one is that the arc that we got wasn't the arc that they planned due to a slight misunderstanding between BBC Books and the estate of Terry Nation. Yes, so this is <laughs> building up to sometime never, right? Which which basically, when the big Council of Aid uh, was originally, of course, going to be the Daleks, because it's Doctor Who, therefore the big baddies are always the Daleks, and apparently BBC Books assumed that they had the rights to use the Daleks, and Terry Nation's estate turned around and said, you what? <laughs> Probably like an accent, but... Well, um, I never know. And I know, I know, um, sadly, I've lost the, the document that someone who should remain nameless entrusted me with. I know there were loads of other Eighth Doctor books planned, um, which kind of, some of them got bastardized into faction paradox audios, and some of them got twisted around into other things. Um, Synthespians, for example, started out as an Eighth Doctor book. But then, of course, you know, they've got the problems, the sales are dropping, it goes once every other month, and then RTD comes along, reboots the series, and the plot lines are never fully resolved. Now, that's not I'm, to say, dear listeners, that's a lot to say, by the way, that I don't think you should never read the eight Doctor books because there are some really good ones. You know, and ignore DWM voting. You know, there are some genuinely good ones. Um, Crooked World. Sorry, just skipping ahead. I loved. I know that one is another divisive one, but I came down on the really lovely side of that one. Okay. Uh, 
so there are definitely still good bits to have. Angie is going to turn into a, a, a an interesting companion, shall we say? Um, and again, we'll get onto her in a bit. But basically, yeah, what starts off as a really good jumping on point suddenly turns into ha ha, fooled you. Here's baggage delivery. You know. Yeah, it was it was the same old same old through the back door. Yeah. Um, so okay, so so immediately this reboot, which happened in the middle of a disastrous run of books, has immediately failed by having all that backstory brought into it. What are we left with then? What we are what, left what, with though, the actual Earthworld bit is brilliant. Sorry, I've bitched for so long, but I want to say because don't yeah. Oh, hello, dog. Um, so don't let our comments put you off. Earthworld is fun. And this is why kind of I really wanted to do the Earthworld one is because at its heart, Earthworld is a scream of a book. It is, as I said earlier, it is actually mostly really pure Doctor Who. You have got a new companion. So you're seeing everything through fresh eyes anyway. You've got the puppy dog doctor. You've got this kind of like there's this brilliant sequence. Uh, one of uh, a few times I've this in the book where he realizes he can't remember how to use the sonic screwdriver. So basically he has to keep having these distractions going on. And there's this brilliant bit where he's singing. There's a, it's a long way to Tipperary whilst he's trying to kind of use the sonic screwdriver to open the lock, which kind of, yeah, other doctors, it's a, it's done. Yeah. But because this is the doctor who's having memory problems. Yeah. There's this kind of like he has to be distracted. And you kind of, at one point, in other words, he has to have the sonic screwdriver behind his back and do it by instinct because <laughs> he's forgotten how to. It's like, oh, this is brilliant. This is, you know, this is this isn't the sonic screwdriver now as the magic wand. This is the sonic screwdriver as a comedy prop, as a as a prop for comedy. Um, and then it actually delivers one of the kind of the emotional gut punches towards the end, where Angie says, I've run out of distractions and just bursts into tears. And you suddenly realise that, yeah, it's not just the Doctor who is having to be continually distracted. Angie, who spends the book doing a Benice. I'd forgotten this. She writes emails to, well, I think we have to do uh, an escape velocity spoiler. She writes emails to her dead boyfriend. She does. Yes. Um, And actually... We don't. Earthworld doesn't give us the details of how he died, which I think is just as well, because I think that again would have been too much baggage. Yeah, All you so. need to know is that she's stuck in this TARDIS, which the Doctor doesn't know how to pilot because it's brand new, folks. You know, escape velocity regrew the TARDIS. Um, you know, so she's stuck with people she doesn't know in a situation she quite frankly has not got the shoes on for. This is brilliant character touching <laughs> wonderful moment where the doctor hands her blister plasters because she's running around in impractical shoes. And I just thought, yeah, that's that's the doctor that I like. The kind of this this wonderful kind of just gentle moment where he makes life easier for someone. He knows that something has gone wrong and that this woman's life is being completely turned upside down. And he makes it easier just by footwear. These shoes, they fit. Oh, no, they don't, do they? Have some blister plasters. <laughs> it's, I think it's indicative that this is, you know, one of taking taking Kate Allman aside. It's the first time, apart from the Kate Allman books, I think, that we've had a woman writing, and it's the first time anyone's pointed out that companions, um, you know, they can't be running around in, like, spiky yeah. heels and, and fetish there, wear. There is, there is a wonderful bit in... Um, it's the coming soon that they do on Earthworld and DWM where Jacqueline Rayner actually says, you know, this idea that, you know, just because I'm a woman doesn't necessarily mean I know everything about them. I don't know anything about financial banking in the same way that all the male writers don't know about lipstick and high heels, but let's move away from that quite quickly. And it's just, you know, because yeah, Angie is a complicated character. Um, She's Hmm. got a very, you know, in, in Escape Velocity, which is her, first book where you know it's one of these ones where kind of like yeah the character who 
is the natural companion, is the one that dies, and she's the one that ends up in the TARDIS and everything. So she is basically dealing with dinosaurs, homicidal triplets, robots. Oh, the war machines. I'd forgotten <laughs> that the war machines are in this book, but I'm not saying how because that is one of the brilliant jokes in here. I mean, say, again, this is a book which is a love letter to what would it have been in 2001 so basically 38 years or so of doctor who it is glorious this is someone bearing in mind jack rayner jacqueline rayner is member of the time team in dwm she's been adapting novels for big finish you know she's got you know a, a doctor who behind her you know it's, it's not the kind of she's appeared out of nowhere she is you know very well known she's very very doctor who you look at what her cv is these days for doctor who and it's just like this is a goddess you know um and yeah she kind of she's written something which is this lovely kind of affectionate ribbing of doctor who um she you know in in dwm she admits that yeah it's been heavily influenced by westworld which mm-hmm. you know um you know we've all i mean also in in recent history for then uh jurassic park came out in 1990 um red dwarf did meltdown in 1991 so you know doctor who being kind of cutting edge and and everything has left it till 2001 to do the parodies sure, of it sure yeah <laughs> but again it's just like it's that freshness though it's this wonderful idea that kind of yeah, actually, all these boring male authors have been doing this kind of convoluted. No, let's have let's have fun. Let's have the Doctor running round, avoiding dinosaurs. Oh, and again, someone has their head cut off, and the Doctor just takes it all in his stride and kind of like lick. There's, I mean, say, kind of there's this blood licking moment, not in a gory, not. It's just like this comedy moment where kind of you know, he looks with disdain at the blood that's flowing. It's like trying not to slip on it, sort of thing. And yeah. The, the great thing about this was I could really, really visualize it. If this was to, you know, this wouldn't need much adaption to turn it into a damn good movie. You know, um, to be honest, if you swap out Angie for Grace, you could almost have this as the first in a series of TV movies after the Paul McGann 1996 movie. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Grace, Grace's first adventure in space would have been much of this sort of thing. It would be yeah. a very pragmatic woman trying to work out what the hell is going on on every level and, of, of being. And I mean, the, it's, it's got like a dinosaur in it. So, you, you know, 1990 CGI maybe would have would have kind of been a bit pixelated, bit blocky, but actually there's very few special effects. There's very few kind of big space battles and everything like that. You know, it's a story about people. It's a story about lost identities, found identities. And it is really this, you know, the doctor helping people. The doctor literally sort of like men's the whole populace of the story and how 90s would this have been for the movie he gets to kiss angie yes he did didn't he yeah (laughs) i've forgotten that bit as well especially as it's not the doctor in the doctor's body and it's not angie in angie's body oh that's right that was a really lovely bit wasn't it where they're 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 both uh what you know possessed by other people and it's the other way and, around and the doctor is possessed by a female and he's yeah possessed. Can i mean we, how can say that with the sixth doctor could you <laughs> yeah, be, but again this is jacqueline rayner who gave us the goddess quandary who basically did an entire book where benny is trapped inside a, a man's body yeah again so i, I mean jacqueline rayner was one of the highlights of my early introduction to fandom there was a, a i think it was the jade pagoda or one of the ones where she said you know i've got writer's block I need a way to get Bernice Summerfield out of a man's body. Brackets. I know it's normally the other way around, but in this case, <laughs> yeah. it's just like, <laughs> I mean, when, when I saw Jacqueline Rayner was doing Earthworld, I was like, oh, brilliant. You know, this is, you know, this is going to be good. 
Um, and yeah, it delivers. It is a really fun. I know the word is overused, and I overuse it a lot, but it's a romp. It's just this kind of you're running up and down corridors. There's the odd explosion. But then again, you've got like a Camelot sequence. You've got prehistoric Earth. You've got ancient Egypt. Almost. I mean, mm. the riddle of the Sphinx section is just brilliant. You know, when Angie is trapped inside a pyramid in an empty room, trying to work out how to escape. And yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, the Daleks' master plan in the way that it's got these, you know, the, the, these plays and and the chase as well. It's got that kind of sixties Doctor Who thing of we're going to tackle these kind of uh, and tropes the, of storytelling the, and tick them the off. The one that kind of I had completely forgotten, but as I reread it, I suddenly thought, yeah, I know where this comes from. This is the space museum. Space museum where Vicky, young new newish companion leads a bunch of teenage boys into overthrowing a huge pl- <laughs> oh of course it is yeah and there's one point where they have to overcome a logic kind of issue with that computer to get entrance to the weapon store and in here angie has to kind of use logic to try and get into the next room but she cocks it up totally and the boys solve it it's just like it's this wonderful moment um and say it's it's really for the most part it's very lighthearted. I mean, even the emotional beats at the end where you've got, again, I'm not going to give too many spoilers, but where you've got the revelation of what's actually happened in the past, where characters suddenly find it's like, I'm going to have to spend the rest of my life without certain people. It's upsetting. It's, it's But it's not kind of like, oh, my God, this is terrible. I'm never going to live again kind of thing. It's like, you know, it's, it is very well handled it's very realistically handled you've got um you know these characters who suddenly find they have to move on with their lives including and i suppose this is why they had to include the fit stuff you know the you know fits moving on but i still think they should have left the fits bit for another book i think this would have been a a, a real they could have made because again, it also it takes a little bit away from the Angie centered nature of it. You know, yeah. this this is Angie's first book. Angie has got the dead boyfriend. She's got all the trauma going on in her life. Um, no, Fitz shouldn't get involved in all this. Fitz, we should have had this, the bit at the end where Fitz realizes he's got to protect the doctor. That would have been a really great start to the next book. Yeah, it's one of these things that kind of like, afraid to say, the editing of the range at this point has to be questioned a little bit. Um, well, I think from the from the stats you provided at the top of the show, I don't think there's any has to be looked at a little bit about it. I think um, things are clearly floundering and going disastrously well, wrong at every turn. It's the fact, and um, there's two bits to back this up. One, Lance Parkin has said that basically kind of like Angie was a bit of an unknown because basically kind of none of the writers, because they were writers, had ever really worked in an office. So they kind of, they saw offices as this soul-destroying environment, you know, But so they didn't really know how to write for Angie. But the fact that even Angie's background changes from book to book, um, there is a big question mark hanging over whether she's got an Indian heritage or a Pakistani heritage. There's a little bit of that in Earthworld, which is, again, it's quite a nice touch. It helps to explain why she feels that she can cope. And, you know, you, you get the, you know, you can start to build up a little bit of a picture about Angie's background from Earthworld. I mean, yeah, you don't get the full background and everything which you got in Escape Velocity, but you do get these odd hints which start to build the character up but yeah i sort of noticed there was one reference to i think it said she was hindu and there was one reference to going to temple and that was really all that there was about her her background and it might be that escape velocity did that in much greater detail uh, um, or or it might not be it's spread right through all the books that she's in um and this is the problem because it you know 
there obviously isn't like an and sorry for my use of words i just realized how badly phrased this can be but there isn't an angie bible yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i suddenly got I was, I was like, how do i phrase this without using the d word um yeah there isn't like a detailed character synopsis which although you know never been in the books but should have been given to the the, the writers to give them a bit more of a, a detailed thing but i mean over over the course of the books she does become quite a a, a fun person to have in the tardis because she is significantly different you know the doctor and fitz regularly have to wait for her to leave the tardis while she has long luxurious baths you know mm. <laughs> it's quite it is quite nice isn't it i think in terms of because obviously as, as the books went on you know when they created benny summerfield there was probably a, a huge document full of detail to draw on when they you know when they created fits they probably sent out he's basically jason kane but with dark hair from the 60s yeah <laughs> um and with each subsequent new companion i feel like there's less and less of an initial idea of who they are and less and less development and um, by the time you get to sort of you know tricks i mean who, no so idea who, um, i yeah. had forgotten tricks yeah I had I genuinely thought that Angie was there till the end and suddenly realizing that no, she does actually leave and is replaced by tricks. It's just like, oh, I've forgotten that. Yeah. So one of the things I had in my head, and I'm I'm assuming that this was probably something I read in, in DWM at around the time of Earthworld Escape Velocity, was that and this could be completely wrong, but I believe the the kind of reference point for Angie was the character of Millie from This Life. Um, that seems to have been a bit of a retroactive fitting. Right, that makes more sense then. Um, because I say kind of there's when I was looking through the the DWM, DWMs and stuff. I mean, again, it's this kind of weird abandonment thing that DWM does. I mean, when you've got the Virgin New Adventures, you've got the number of articles they did about the virgin new adventures and everything even once the the range of ending stuff was immense mm. there there has never been a dwm article overviewing the edas i think that i think that embarrassing uh, you know but i think it's because a dwm were very friendly with big finish but as i said it's kind of like this it's it, it's the fact that obviously they've realized that people it's not a big selling point um but i mean when you when things like when you had quedge and forrester come in in original sin um andy lane was interviewed talked about how like, oh actually originally the companion was going to be this tramp called old tom and, and he realized it but importantly andy lane said he, he realized that that character wouldn't go anywhere mm. quedge and forrester had potential and then yeah you got sam when we start the edas who is generic let's be um, kind and use the word generic <laughs> they try and make her interesting by bringing in dark sam um they try and do different things gotta applaud them for that you know well as I, as we've recently discussed on the show what they did with sam was they took her away for a few years to age yeah. her up in exactly the same way that the virgin books did with ace yeah um so copy, yeah. even even that attempt at being inspired was not particularly original but, I say the trouble is, especially by the time compassion gets here, it's just like, do they actually really have a plan? Do they actually really know what's going to happen? Oh, are we going to make her a human TARDIS? How are we going to do that? Yeah. Um, I know. Um, I know there was conflict between Paul Cornell and Lawrence Miles. Not conflict, but there was different frames of mind about it and everything because of course paul cornell was the one who did shadows of avalon where the transformation takes place mm. but you do get the impression that it's just like they're putting these companions in and it's just like oh we um uh what are we going to do with them yeah and yeah angie there's nothing really in dwm um she's talked about as i said angie jeffries in issue 288 um and it's just like they they talk about these vague plot arcs which are coming up in the the edas it's like well sell them to us and again i mean 
I was think I was trying to think about the Eighth Doctor in general. I mean, because the other thing, of course, is along with the audios coming. I mean, the comic strip at the time is at the height of its powers. You know, you've got Izzy and Destry. You've got that whole kind of thing. You've had the magnificent threshold saga. You've had the you know the whole body swapping thing with Izzy and Destry. The comics have done stuff which is just like wow. The comics have planned things. Or, they seem to have planned things meticulously. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. They, they 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 create something. They know where they're going with it. There is no sense with the comic strips that they're making it up as they go along, which either says something about Scott Gray's planning or it says something about Scott Gray's improvisational skills. Whichever one it is, you know, hats off because it works. And then yeah, so Earthworld was reprinted. There hasn't been a single EDA done as a talking book officially. That's that's true, isn't it? I mean, the Seventh Doctor, they've done uh, Shakedown, they've done Human Nature, so they they've raided the New Adventures. Doesn't matter mm. that they're kind of sort of plotty, arky things. Doesn't matter that there's companions in there that people won't necessarily know. They've done them. You know, there've been fan productions of early ones um so there is an american um heroic uh, something I, I apologize i should have looked this up i've completely forgotten heroic efforts or something um who has done talking books of the eight doctors vampire science body snatches and war of the daleks they're actually really good by the way because he's gone out of the way to do sound effects background music genocide wasn't done because i believe he started it had a hard drive failure and then couldn't bring himself to to redo everything from scratch. Right. But that's it. So and at, the, at the start, I mean, so 1996, you've got the TV movie. 1998, you've got the you know the talking book of some of Earth and Beyond, People's Temple. Um, but that's it. That's that's the end of short trips type audio stuff mm. there's no there's no talking books of the edas there's nothing there is one visual reference for angie literally in the whole run of her i've been able to find one picture i'm fascinated because it hasn't even occurred to me to look but is this something i can find on google um uh, you probably can because i've also now completely forgotten the name but basically it's one of the illustrations for the EDAs that DWM did for right. the books. Um, you got Angie collapsed on the ground, half buried under rubble. Huh. That's literally, as far as I can tell, the only visual reference there is for Angie. I mean, that's not great representation, is it? <laughs> um, I mean, Sam was Sam was based on one based of the, on a yeah on a person. So there were drawings, yeah. there were images. Um. For one of, you know, for one of DWM's very few um, Eighth Doctor articles, it wasn't even an EDA, it was an Eighth Doctor thing. Um, you know, there was a drawing done of Fitz. It's just like, you know, it's just, they've given up. I mean, there's no publicity for them. I mean, really, you know, we are looking at an era of Doctor Who, not just the wilderness years, but the hopeless years. By the very nature of its premise, Doctor Who can accommodate almost any kind of story. To steal a phrase from another long-running series, infinite diversity in infinite combinations. With novels, it's even more so. No restrictions on budget, locations or special effects. Sometimes a book can be a serious treatise on the nature of reality or the horrors of war, or a trad adventure with a lot of deep characterisation. And sometimes it can try to be funny. You know, a jolly romp, a bit wacky, its tongue firmly in its cheek and the reader can either chortle along or groan at the humour 
and hope that it's all over very quickly. Guess what happened to me with Earthworld by Jacqueline Rayner. Things don't get off to a good start when you immediately realise that the basic plot's just a subpar Michael Crichton ripoff. Ideas so derivative that it even name checks Blade Runner just to make sure you know there's not a spark of originality here. I'm all for a subtle homage, but this is so blatant it borders on parody. Who knows, maybe that's intentional? And once again it feels like someone read Douglas Adams and totally failed to get what made him funny. Look, Angie falls in with a terrorist cell of little kids called Angie. Fitz meets Elvis and has to fight him to the death. Oh, my aching sides. There are triplet princesses called Asia, Africa and Antarctica, who presumably are meant to be deadly, scary and hilarious. But they just come across as annoying little brats that need a good talking to. Every character, even the regulars, sounds like utter dickheads at some times. I'm really not a grumpy old fart, honest. But the jokey writing style got boring very quickly. There's some revelation near the end about the parentage of the princesses, but to be honest, by that point, I'd practically switched off. The main plot, such as it was, was wholly unremarkable. Okay, it's not all bad. There is some interesting stuff going on about memories, or the lack of them. Angie's trying to get over the loss of her boyfriend Dave and writing him emails that will never be sent. And at the start, it was all a bit hokey, but... As time went on, they did coalesce into something with a bit more emotional weight. Fitz is having some kind of existential crisis. That would probably make more sense if I'd read the previous novels. New Jupiter doesn't want to be beholden to the history of the home planet, yet sets up a theme park full of misremembered Earth history. Plus, of course, the Doctor can't remember his own past, and he can only operate things like the sonic screwdriver by avoiding thinking about it consciously. And I guess the big one is, if the android copies of people had all their memories... Are they not equally valid beings? If that was the intentional underlying theme, then it's a valid one. It's just a shame it was smothered in a steaming bowl of nonsense. I'm sure there are others that would have really enjoyed Earthworld. Maybe I just got off on the wrong foot with it because I really disliked the opening chapters and I could never recover. And I believe this was Jacqueline Rayner's first novel. I just wish that, with an infinite sandbox to play in, it'd been a bit more original.